a big piece of the pie is your brand voice, or I like to call it your verbal branding. So it's your messaging. It's how you're expressing yourself to your ideal client, the emotion behind all of your customer touch points when they're interacting with the words in your brand. And you can really change the emotion of your brand just by dialing into this brand voice. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Lucy Bedawai, founder and CEO of My Right Hand Woman, a copywriting business based in Washington, D.C. She started her business during the pandemic right after graduating from college and managed to scale her business to six figures within the first two years. She specializes in copywriting that converts for fast growth startups and companies. But first, let's get into the marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. And this week, I wanted to talk about culture and branding and questions that I can ask in an interview when I wanna hire somebody new. And why is culture and branding such an important piece to the business that we all need to have and when we are trying to find that perfect employee to work for us? Because our brand is our culture. Our culture is our brand. I believe branding starts from the inside out. And if you have happy campers, then you'll have happy customers. So things that we can do to make sure that we're hiring that right person that's gonna fit within our culture and help be our shareholders right? They're the ones who are going to share about our brand, our brand stories, the things that we do in the company, the things that are going to attract and retain our employees that we have. And so I wanted to give you a few questions that you could ask in the interview that could help you if you are a leader looking to hire the right person, or if you are going to be interviewed by a company, maybe these are some things that you could ask of the company yourself so that you make sure that you're in alignment just as much as the company needs to make sure Uh, that the alignment is there when they hire somebody. So things to consider when you are looking for that right candidate or looking for that right company to work for. Because we know right now hiring is such a hot topic for us to try to get workers and, and qualified and or culture fitting workers, right? So thinking about how you can manage that. So if you're a leader and you are ready to interview somebody and you want them to come on board, Ask them things like, have you ever became really good friends with your coworkers? Tell me about that. Or what about this role appeals to you the most? Do you see yourself in this role in five years from now? And tell me about the management style that you like to work with. And do you prefer working with yourself or with a partner or in a team? If you asked your coworkers how they describe you, what would they say? Describe a time that you went above and beyond normal job duties to make a customer or a client very happy. What happened? Tell me more. And I love to use that. Tell me about a time. (laughs) What do you look for in your work environment so that you can perform your job to the best of your abilities and be happy doing so? Frankly, what makes you happy? (laughs) What are the things that make you happy? When are you most productive? How do you get your work done? How do you like to be communicated to? And other things I like to ask them is maybe previous bosses that they've had or coworkers that they've had and what about them made them appreciate 
Why did you appreciate those people that you worked with? What about them made your time working with them so wonderful? And what about what 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 about it did not make your time wonderful there? I like to ask about how they handle stress and understand what it is that can be stress triggers for them. And I like to understand what they do on their off time. What do they do when they're not at work? What kinds of things do they enjoy? What are the values that they have and how do they emulate those values or exude those values in what they do? Then I wanna know about how our values at our company is in alignment with their values. So I, I want them to understand what our values are and I share what those are and then I want to know what their values are and how we might align with those values. I wanna know about conflict resolution and how they can resolve conflict or if they're afraid of conflict or if they um, avoid conflict like the plague. I wanna understand how they can navigate conflict when things arise. We call it healthy conflict, and we know that sometimes we don't always all agree on everything. It's, it's a group think if we do, and so sometimes being challenged or asking those questions and having those crucial conversations are important. So understanding if your candidate is able to navigate those types of conversations, or if they just shut down and don't accept feedback well or not. Because I always say feedback is a gift, and one of my mentors said it is a gift, and he said, Ron Price says, Feedback is a gift. Don't deny, defend, or blame. Just say thank you. Eh, you can't ask clarifying questions, but just say thank you. I want to know if they're risk, taker, risk takers. Have they taken any risks? And what kind of risks they have taken? And what was the result of their risks? And then I also want to understand things that they do that seem valuable to them. What's the latest book that they read? Uh, what kind of charitable work have they done? Are they volunteers? Or do they... You know, are they service above self types of people or, or are they homebodies? You know, I want to know all these things. Things that I like to ask them too is, do they like to go camping? Because every year our staff, we all go on our powwow and we camp. <laughs> and so I want to make sure that they're in alignment with that. And maybe they're just glampers, but still we all go camping together with all of our spouses and kids and pets and everybody. So I want to make sure that they can uh, be okay with that, right? So things that you do in your company culture and things that you go to or places that you do, whatever it is, make sure that they're in alignment with what it is that you do. Uh, things like, how do you give feedback to others? And what does your ideal workday even look like? What's the workplace look like? Can they work remotely? And are they flexible? And are they able to get work done when they do work remotely? As that's a big hot topic now since the pandemic. Everybody wants to be able to be flexible. So can they do it? Anyway, those are some things that you can consider in when you are trying to hire for the best fit, or if you are somebody looking and seeking for a job, what kinds of things are the company culture about and do they align and believe in the things that you do and vice versa? Okay, with that, let's get into the interview with Lucy. Welcome to this episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. And today's guest we have with us, Lucy, my right-hand woman. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
And I love the play on words, my right hand, as in writing. <laughs> very nice. Very clever. Thank you. And I guess it lends into what you do too, is, and that is copywriting, right? <laughs> yes. So let's talk a bit about how you got into the industry that you're in and some of the things that you get to do, like take the modern vacation and travel to, I don't know, uh, where did you say? Mexico City? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Happy awesome. to dive into that. Okay, well, yeah, just uh, go ahead and share a little bit more about you and, and what got you there to where you are now. Yes, let's do it. So I started my copywriting business straight out of college. Um, I've always been a writer. I had been writing content um, for the past five years. I've been writing as a kid and as a teenager. Um, so when I graduated with my marketing degree and realized that the authority of corporate life is just going to not be for me. Yeah. Um, from there, what I was able to do was go all in. And I feel really lucky that, um, you know, even though um, we had that pandemic and it was awful and we were all in lockdown, it was also like an opportunity to kind of be in my house, hunkered down to just work and try and go for it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was a pandemic business. Um, and from <laughs> there, I, I grew my copywriting business and I'm so happy to work for myself, but more importantly, just work with the incredible female entrepreneurs that I get to work with each day. Yeah. If there's either pandemic businesses, pandemic babies, pandemic, you know, <laughs> pandemic panic. Yeah, if it, yeah, exactly. But yeah, we got it all right. So um, tell me about some of the just give me some stories of things that you've done to help your clients in, in ways that you use your talents to help them. So I really specialize on that web copy and sales copy side, but I think the, the way I kind of differentiate myself from the rest of the copywriting industry is I'm a big believer in your personality is what's going to sell. So by being funny, by being interesting, by going all in on your character traits is going to be so much more powerful than some arbitrary sales psychology and pushy tactics. So that's always when I'm working with my clients, I'm trying to pull them out of their shell and be like, okay, so how can we make it? So when you're making a sale, it feels like you're just serving the people you want to serve. And it doesn't feel like this weird thing. You know, you're just talking to people on your page. Absolutely. And I, I, I kind of almost don't like using the word sales, right? Because people just automatically have this notion that, oh, like a used car salesman is going to sell me. Ah! And so yeah. I love to, after doing this business for 20 years, I love to say that we're just in the business to make relationships happen, right? Mm -hmm. And and if we can serve our people with the things that we are talented and capable of doing, then that is like, that's not sales. That's working with your friends and the people that you, you know, come to know and like. So I, I appreciate that and being able to have the copywriting talent and be able to help your clients, you know, make their personality shine so that they're not just all salesy, right? I think that's great. Yeah. So, so tell me, maybe give me a, a, an example of, uh, you know, and you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but just give me an example of something that you did uh, when you first started working with somebody and then kind of the, the transition that happened after they worked with you and then some of the results that come that came from it. Absolutely. So you, some people come, it's funny, I have like two clients. Some people come to me and they're kind of timid and they're a little bit nervous about the process. They're like, I can't believe you're going to crawl into my brain and write like me. And then other people come in like totally like blazing, like they have all this personality and they're like, I just need you to get it on the page. 
So I had one of those clients, totally client number two. She came in so much personality, already had a successful business, but she just didn't have sales pages. She was an Instagram seller. She was just getting on stories and like rallying everyone. And that's how she, she had her business. So she was a business coach, had this amazing course. And I went in and I wrote the sales page for the course, literally like studying her voice based on what she was saying in stories. It was full of cursing and humor and just the most empowering words that a woman can give other women. And I was like, I'm obsessed with this woman. Um, And then we wrote her sales page and she actually was able to make $112,000 in one month from one page. Wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. I love to hear that. So what do you think, like, just give us some of the, the pointers of what you did when you created that sales page. I mean, did she have a course to sell? What was she doing? Yeah. So she had a course to sell and it was on showing up on social media and showing up in a way that, um, was just like super, super powerful and showing up with, um, I guess the word would be like with vigor, but also with personality to Mm -hmm. the point that making money is easy. Her whole thing is just, you know, you shouldn't be resisting money and you shouldn't be resisting growing your business. If it feels really difficult, you're probably not in alignment. So um, that was like her whole kind of overarching theme. She had a really fun theme that she had on her business as well. And I guess from the beginning, I I knew that this page had to just be kind of outrageous. Um, (laughs) It had to be something that was making fun of the status quo, something that was funny, fun to read. I wanted to pull people into her aura, into her vibe as soon as they enter the page. And part of it obviously comes from the designer because I was working with a fabulous designer and design and copy work together. Um, But I think it really just, it got to the point where when people entered the sales page, they were having so much fun on the sales page that they were like, I can't wait to see what this course is going to be like. Um, and I think that is, is key is making sure that the emotion you want from your product is also present in the sales page. I think when we hear the word sales copy, we freeze up and we're like, oh, now I need to be all like salesy. Yeah. (laughs) But the truth is if you're going to teach your course, like a best friend, you should be a best friend on your sales page too. Yeah. I love that. So there's different theories out there about how long your sales page should be. You know, do you, to keep everything above what we used to call in the newspaper above the fold or before the scroll or, you know, and so I'm curious, what's your take on that? Do you, do you do a lot of copy? Do you minimalize it? Is it, is there like any one like trick to the trade or is it, does it really just matter what you're, what you're trying to sell? I I think all of the above. I think when it comes to sales copy, I mean, I know some people kind of have this belief in their mind. Well, I don't read long sales pages. So my clients don't want that. And I think that's a really dangerous mindset to be in because that's just going off of a hunch and an intuition. And I'm, I'm not one to say, don't trust your intuition, but really you should be looking at data when you're looking to sell. And the data proves time and time again, that long form sales pages work. What the data keeps proving is also boring long form sales pages do not work. Um, So it's really just a matter of making sure even if your sales page is long, you have sections and you have different fonts and different colors and it's cohesive and it's a story and there's headlines. You know, you're not writing like this college essay, but having multiple sections that speak to multiple client archetypes is incredibly value for making sure you're getting sales on the page and you're not on the phone all day trying to explain why they should buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And plus, it's it's like your tool that you can use 24-7. And, you know, you don't have to be doing those one-on-one calls because you've got your sales page ready and and then just getting it pushed out and getting making sure people get eyeballs on it. And then ideally, once they do, they're going to read it and then want to buy and have, you know, multiple places for people to push, right? 
and we've we've seen too like and maybe you can kind of give some more insight on this but if you have an opportunity to buy right in the copy where it's a link in the copy versus buttons what have you seen work i mean and it's kind of different for most people or different people right but tell me what your experience is Absolutely. Yeah. You, you really hit it when it comes to a mid ticket or a low ticket offer. I always say as little clicks as possible. If it's like going to be one of those no brainer baby offers, like they should have that checkout form right on the page. I think where the jury's out is on high ticket. So Mm -hmm. anything that's above a four figure investment, it's like, do I lead them to a call? Do I have them buy on the page? Do I have them click a button and takes them to a checkout? And that I really think it depends on the business and the brand. Some brands can support selling $4,000 programs on the page. And for brands like that, more power to you. Whereas Mm -hmm. other brands feel like they have more of an application system. They want them to go through a funnel. They want to see who's serious. And that works too. So it's just a matter of like, first of all, what you want. Do you want to be on calls? Do you want to vet people before they come into your program? And Mm -hmm. also what your brand can support. Right. No, that's a good, that's a good point because you're right. Sometimes people just want to buy right now. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to warm them up to the idea or, you know, kind of lead them through that process and copywriting does it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. That's a really good example. Uh, maybe share another example uh, that you've used to help with your copywriting. Cause you said, you know, sales page, web websites, what are some other things that you've uh, seen successful lately? So I think we're moving to a world where vulnerability, transparency, and not promising the world are actually what's making sales. So it used to be that you tell people, you know, buy this course, I'll take away all your problems, make you a million dollars, you'll marry the person of your dreams, and you'll live happily ever after. But like the buyer that these days, um, I sound like such a grandma, I'm like the buyers these days. Um, But people, you know, consumers are smart. They know what they want. They don't want to buy out of this weird, pushy necessity. People want to buy what they desire and what they want. And they're going to see through all of those lofty promises. So Mm -hmm. I always tell business owners, the best thing you can be is just be brutally honest about like what your product can do and what it can't do. Talk about your ups, your downs, your failures, be a brand that just promotes transparency because the truth is that that's how you're going to attract people that are real and people that really do believe in you and tell your name to their friends. And then that's how you can build community. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that you had mentioned wanting to talk about is creating a memorable brand voice. Let's talk more about that. Yeah. So brand voice is a really juicy subject because I think all of us are familiar with what branding is, you know, having visuals that support our business consistency, but Oftentimes, especially I'm going to call out new businesses a little bit is you have your logo and you feel like, okay, I'm good to go. I have a brand, but um, (laughs) that, that is really just like one tiny little sliver of the pie. And a big piece of the pie is your brand voice, or I like to call it your verbal branding. So it's your messaging. It's how you're expressing yourself to your ideal client, the emotion behind all of your customer touch points when they're interacting with the words in your brand. So, you know, if you speak with a lot of slang, it's a little more casual. If you're speaking with a lot of third person, a lot of education and stats, it's a little bit more intimidating or formal. And you can really change the emotion of your brand just by dialing into this brand voice. I like that, your verbal brand. I mean, we've heard, you know, 
signature songs and and we've heard just different types of things but yeah visual verbal verbal um i guess visual too but visual branding verbal yeah (laughs) v words uh, but yeah that's that's good And, and you're right i mean you can definitely change the tonality to your voice and you know even though you're trying to keep your message consistent you can have different tones and different ways to express yourself to the different audiences that you're trying to attract right for sure yeah because like you've mentioned your grandma <laughs> these days. I mean, it, it is different if you're trying to talk to, to your grandma versus, you know, a young, uh, you know, entrepreneur or a young, you know, person that's just getting into their profession. I mean, there's just different ways to reach them, different ways to go about it, too. Let's talk about email marketing. Do you do a lot in the email side of things, too? I mean, I know you do the sale page, you do the websites, but what about email? I do write sales emails and I'm still a big fan of the inbox because even though everyone loves to hate on email marketing, it's still the <laughs> one that really works. Yeah, for sure. What have you seen as far as words that you can use and not use in the subject line? Because that's always that's always a thing like, oh, you don't want to you want to avoid your spam box or avoid somebody's spam. What what kind of things have you seen that have worked well? Yeah. When it comes to um, like those subject lines, I think it's really tempting to go like all caps or a million emojis or like a clickbait title. But Mm. the truth is that's a really quick way besides obviously triggering spam is it's a quick way to lose trust with your audience. If you're constantly yelling at them in the subject line, you're almost going to desensitize them. So when you do launch something or you do sell something or you do have something important to say, not that not all your emails are important, but sometimes, you know, you have that one and you're like, I need everyone to open this. Um, they're, they're not going to, because they're gonna be like, oh, there's this business owner again, just hitting me with a million emojis. And there's not going to be any (laughs) substance in that email. So I would say, make it hyper relevant to what your email is. And then when they click that email, make sure it's fun for them to read, like open with a fun narrative or a hook or something that makes, makes it exciting and engaging instead of just always pitching your list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people are just going to keep scrolling by if they're not getting their attention to you. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so let's talk about how we can market from a place of authenticity. That's when one of the topics that I think is, I mean, people say, oh, you got to be authentic. But what does that really mean? Oh, yeah, I think that's a good one, especially because authenticity is such a buzzword. So no one really knows what that means anymore. Um, I think when it comes to authenticity, from my angle, of course, your marketing is always going to be curated. And I never like to kind of preach this, like you have to be fully you and fully authentic because at the end of the day, you're a business and you're a brand and it's okay to curate, um, all of the best brands, even the brands that you're like, Oh my God, they're so real. They are curated. Um, and so I think that's a big mindset thing to realize is that authenticity doesn't mean you have to show it all, you know, it's still okay to have a curtain. It's still okay to have like a brand. This is what we talk about. This is what we don't, but it's the idea of opening up a dialogue to maybe some of the things that aren't so pretty or being real. If there's a problem in the business. So like, let's say, you know, you have supply chain issues and you're not going to be able to get things out to your clients before Christmas time. And, you know, you promise that is just sending like a 
I know, but it happened happened. and it actually happened. So I happened to a planner company that they Mm -hmm. actually had, like they had to cut ties with their factory right before the new year when everyone gets their new planners and it was horrible, but their founder, she navigated it by just being like, guys, I'm so sorry, but like, this is what's going on. And it's just like authenticity is letting people into your world and just not pretending that everything's fine all the time, even if it isn't. Mm Right. Because social media, sometimes just you get to see the good parts of people's lives. You don't necessarily see things that are, like you said, the real, the raw, the the emotions that can happen in business and, you know, in leading that professional life. I mean, yes, we want to show the nice things, but yeah, sometimes having that vulnerability and being honest, I think that is definitely a good tactic for those that want to continue to build that trust. Absolutely. I think it's, it's just gold for a brand if they can build that connection by showing all sides and all sides is relative, but by showing, you know, the good, the bad, the future, the past, the nostalgic, it just makes the brand more complex and more human. Absolutely. And now a message about our sponsor, Billy Razors. Billy is a female first shave club and a body brand that's putting an end to the pink tax on razors. So by spreading the word about the pink tax rebate, no purchases necessary, we both get a $20 credit to spend on Billy Razors and body care. Let's do this. It's really awesome. It comes in the mail. You get it on a subscription basis and it just comes when you need it. And you can always turn it off when you don't, but you can have it set up to automatic come to you as you need new razors and they are cost effective and of course not what you're doing when you're paying at the grocery store such a high price on women's razors so go to peppershock.com offers and get your billy razors today okay so i want to dig in and kind of backtrack just a little bit you became a pretty young entrepreneur and I can relate to that. I was young myself when we first started. I mean, that was, uh, you know, two decades ago for me. But I also want to just take a moment to applaud you for doing it, because I know that sometimes it's, it's rough and tough, especially during the pandemic. But let's let's talk about that process. Um, you know, you, you say rising from rejection. Let's let's uh, let's go back there for a moment and kind of share with our audience what you did, how you did it and what you came through and on the other side to get there. Yeah, I think when it comes to rejection, so I've had two what I would consider pivotal moments in my career of just sheer, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you're rejected every single day and you get used to the micro ones. But, um, as, you know, as a, a young woman just coming out of college, trying to get a quote unquote real job before I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, one of my jobs, I interviewed. I thought the interview went really well. Um, I thought I like had great ideas that I shared with the company. You know, it was one that was like personality based, but also just, you had to present a case study. And so I got out and I didn't get called back and I was kind of confused. You know, when you're like, I crushed that, you yeah. know, so I, I called them and I was like, can I get some insight into like why I was passed over? And the woman straight up said to my face, she's like, we thought you had too strong of a personality. Oh, Wow. And I was like, is that that legal? No. (laughs) We don't need uh, your personality. What? Oh my God. Yeah. And that was something else. So I remember I went home and I told like my, a really close friend of mine, I was like, this is what she said. And my, my friend was like, she's the kind of friend where it's like, she will tell you like, as it is, like, she's not the one to save your feelings. And she was like, well, if you want to get a corporate job, you're going to have to tone it down. And she's like, they don't want an entrepreneur in the office. And I was like, 
Oh my God. Yeah. That's like (laughs) accurate. Yeah. Um, And then my second kind of pivotal rejection moment was I took a job that I thought I would be good at. And I ended up getting fired after 90 days. And I was like, first of all, I was like, that's impressive. Like 90 days is like not a lot of time. Um, And it's because I decided to, I didn't really like the direction the company was going. I thought they were really like, um, I guess the word would be squelching people's needs and their emotions. And there was a kind of a little bit of like emotional abuse and how people were talking to each other. So I spoke up um, and I was fired. How dare you speak up against that? Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, I'm so proud of you for speaking up. Good job. You know what? That's, that's good. (laughs) I was like working from home. I like came downstairs and I told my mom, I was like, so I got fired and she's just like, well, it's probably for the best. My mom's always been like one of those really positive people. Um, and I think after that, I just made a vow to myself. I was like, I'm meant to be an entrepreneur and I'm just going to run my business my way. And I'm going to lift up other women. And I'm never going to let the things that were done to me get done to other people who are in my space. And I actually made my, one of my big taglines or things that I say in my story is you will be successful because of your personality, not despite it. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. Ah, I'm glad they fired you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad I got fired. (laughs) You know, I think that's a a common commonality with entrepreneurs, why they start a business, because they don't want to work in a corporate setting or for for other people. I mean, that's that's happened to me too. And being in that corporate world and trying to make changes and having that entrepreneurial mindset, but just being stifled and, and crushed into this little, you know, box that you have to fit in and, oh, yeah, I don't know about you, but thinking outside of the box, right, is is okay for entrepreneurs to do. And I think those are the ones that become successful too, because they know what it's like not to want to have to work there and do that. And and then as you go through your entrepreneurial journey, sometimes you question what you're doing and think, oh, maybe I should just go get a real job. Huh? Well, you know what? These, these are our real jobs, you know? <laughs> uh, I feel lucky I've never had that thought. I definitely have some thoughts some days where I'm like, okay, let me just burn it all down and start fresh because, you know, we have those very dramatic entrepreneurial thoughts. But I know, I think after my experience with trying to work for people, I'm like, this is the real job. Like it is the real job. I know my, my son just recently decided to go get a real job because working for mom and dad at, you know, a a small business wasn't a real job. I'm like, listen here, buddy, you go. And so he went and worked at Walmart and I'm like, you, you have fun with that. You see how that is. And, And you know, the difference between the corporate world and working for an entrepreneur and you tell me, me what it's like and then he recently said mom I think I want to have my own business someday <laughs> like, come, come full circle <laughs> yeah it. yeah he's 17 he's, he's still got a lot to figure out but it's uh it's it's fun to to see you know that that moment of aha I can be an entrepreneur and I imagine people listening to this too who we have kind of a variety of different you know, people in their marketing that are marketers or entrepreneurs or people who, you know, marketing directors working at companies. I imagine that people have this thought that behind them to think, could I do it? Could I become an entrepreneur? Would I be able to survive? You know, because the, they always say like, what is it after two years, then, you know, more, most small businesses, you know, die. Right. And so you've made it past that so far. Yeah, like milestone hit. <laughs> Yay. And then it's like the seven year itch. And then, you know, we're next year going to celebrate 20 years. And it's like, wow, how did that happen? It goes by so quickly. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my goodness. But hey, you know what? Being an entrepreneur gets you the luxury of being able to do, like you called it, a modern vacation where you know you kind of get to go play, but also work and do what you need to do while you're doing it. And the pandemic really uh, opened our opportunities to be able to work from anywhere now, right? I mean, that's what you're doing now. I even feel lucky that my friends in corporate are able to work remotely. I think that that changed life for more than just entrepreneurs. It kind of changed Mm -hmm. life for everyone in any type of job because we're so done with like being in an office for eight hours a day. We want to work outside. We want to go get lunch with our friends and just have flex hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Very much so. And I think um, as we have been trying to hire our next hire, it's fascinating to see the difference between now and what we did when we hired pre-pandemic. And, you know, that's that's always the question. Well, can we, you know, work from home? Can we, you know, work remotely? And absolutely, of course we do. You know, we, we have an office, we have a studio, but, you know, it's, it's like people just come and go when they want. And, you know, but, but yeah, I think it's definitely here to stay. I think people are used to the hybrid events and Zoom calls and all the things. And now we truly can work from, from anywhere. I love it. I hope that stays forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Okay, so um, a couple more questions for you, and then we'll we'll wrap up. But um, who is your ideal client? Who is it that you're looking for that you would love, like your dream job for you? Like who who are the types of people that you love to work with? So I would have to say I work with probably 95% women and 5% men who get through all the pink on my website. Um, and my favorite client has to be the female service provider or coach that is just outrageous, irreverent brand. Maybe she's had like some stuff go on in her life, similar to me, where people have told her to play small and she's just ready to completely emerge out of a cocoon and become a global brand. And whenever this kind of woman comes to me, I'm just like, okay, Amazing. Day done. (laughs) This is like the dream. And I can't believe she just fell into my lap and came in through my contact form because like, seriously, those are the women that I want to elevate and I want to lift their voice and I want to help them build as big of a business as they desire. And then talk about the process. What do you go through when you first start working with, uh, predominantly a woman that's in in the right field for you? What, What do you, what do they do? So when it comes to how I work, I actually work a little non-traditionally compared to other copywriters. It fits the narrative. Um, So I do very few like custom projects that have like multiple rounds of revisions and this very like drawn out process. I much prefer to help people get the copy they need instantly. So I work in VIP days. I write super fast. So usually during a VIP day, what I can do is finish a whole website or a whole sales funnel. And then I have a very extensive onboarding process beforehand that gives me a window into their business. We talk about strategy. I'm able to do the research beforehand. So at the end of the day, they have all the copy they need. And you call it the VIP day because that's their day. I do. That's their, yes. they're the, they're the, they're the <laughs> they're queen. The VIP. They're the queen of that your day. Is. Yes. <laughs> Uh, that's great. So you can just do it all at once and get it all done. And I love that too, because then, um, oh my gosh, rounds of revisions and revisions. And, and then if they send it off to 10 other people, then it's like everybody else's opinion. Like, no, just you only working with just you. Yes. <laughs> that's great. Because usually when that happens and there's 10 people giving their opinion, you know, those 10 people are not copywriters and it's really <laughs> easy to pick things apart, but you have to think of the end goal. Like the end goal is I'm not writing like the next great American novel. I'm trying to grow your business. Right. Oh, that's great. 
And the fact that you understand copywriting and design go together, I mean, that's just, it's music to my ears because sometimes you've got designers who cannot write and you've got copywriters who cannot, you know, understand the design. So when, when you can work together and collaborate to make something beautiful, it makes a lot of sense and, and not just beautiful, but effective, right? <laughs> Yeah, I love my designers to pieces. And I have multiple designers in my network because every client kind of has a different vibe. And mm -hmm. like the projects where design happens too, I push all my clients. I'm like, get a designer, please get a designer. Please. Um, yeah, because the end product just goes from being something that's probably relatively good if you worked with one professional to something that like really will just grow with you. That's great. Okay, so what are some of the resources or tools that have helped you along the way that our audience could maybe glean from or something that you just think that they have to look at or listen to or, or watch or read or whatever the case might be? Oh, that's a really good one. I think every entrepreneur needs to do the mindset work. Um, so however that feels most natural to you, I know some people like a mindset coach, they want like a person in their corner, whereas other people are like big into books. But I think every single morning before you sit down at your calendar, you have to think, what do I want to accomplish today? How can I get closer to my end goal? How can I make sure my mind is right? So whether I'm hopping on sales calls or I'm going to be providing a service or I'm going to be on a podcast or speaking at a conference, how can I like mentally get myself in the energy that I need to get in to make sure that I'm going to be successful, but even better have an impact on every single person that I touch today. And I think that is just the one practice that has been huge for me. And it doesn't have to be this big, like ritual. Like sometimes it's just reading like two pages out of the book. You are a badass and like calling it a morning. So it's just finding whatever works for you. I have that book on my shelf. I should read it again. It's so good. <laughs> it is good. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So let's since we're going on this marketing journey together, I want to know what you do to bring business through your proverbial doors. Absolutely. So I I kind of have an interesting business structure where I'm the only writer in my business because that's what I love to do and what I want to do. Um, but I have five women on my team that actually help with distributing my personal brand. So I am super supported. Um, and I like to be very transparent about that. So I get people in through Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, kind of think, um, Facebook, I, I really, and email marketing. I'm really uh, very on all the channels. I make reels. So, um, I'm a big believer in organic marketing. I do run some ads, but I'm mostly organic word of mouth and, yeah, I'm just a big believer and get your face everywhere. Yeah, and podcasts. See, this is another tactic. Yeah, I, I even forgot podcasting. What yeah. I'm actually doing right now. That's awesome. Okay, so if people want to learn more about you and either hire you or, or learn from you in some way, what are things that they can follow or click on or do? <laughs> Absolutely. So if you are really interested in the brand voice part of this conversation we just had, um, you can head over to findmybrandvoice.com and take the brand voice quiz. You can head to my website, myrighthandwoman.com, write spelled like writing, or just find me on Instagram at myrighthandwoman, write spelled like writing, send me a DM, I'm real casual. Very good, I love, that's, a, that's such a good domain name, findmybrandvoice.com, good job. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, it was like an interact link with like 8 million letters, and I was like, I think I should just get a domain. There you go, there you go, that's great. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for dropping some of your wisdoms for us today. And um, of course, in the future, we'll we'll be in touch and you'll get this spread out to the world as well. And, and then uh, hopefully you'll get some more copywriting business from it and some more women to come your way. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. 
All right, and for those of you listening now, the best thing that you can do is to share this with others that need to hear uh, the message from today as well as give us a review because that always helps us both. So thanks again and until next time, everybody, enjoy the marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.